I just feel sorry for anyone, anyone who does not have a love first lifestyle and have some area in their life like that. They are missing out on the abundant life. And the freaky thing is it's so available. You just have to have eyes to see. I'm so grateful for this church family and these last two things. Your giving, thank you. So I remember back at the beginning of this, the staff was just heroic in thinking of how can we take less money this year? How can we maybe get other jobs? I mean, just willing, willing, willing. And, and how we can change our, our ministry focus to be uh, less financially dependent. And, and, and we did a lot of that. Several did a lot of that. And there just was no need because of your generosity and because of your love. I mean, how does that happen? A pandemic hits, financial fear goes up, and our giving goes up. Okay? Love first. That's how it happens. And so thank you. Thank you. We are talking about where we're not like that, but I just want to honor and affirm where we are like that as a church and praise God for that. And I know it's why I'm here because I need it. I'm in desperate need of it, of this kind of community. So thank you for being that kind of community, for being that kind of community. I'm really enjoying this series that we're in where we're spending a couple of weeks on each phrase of our a new vision statement. So last week and this week, we're on that middle phrase, as you know, where we're looking at that we exist in order to become like Jesus. So last week, I talked about the theology, that it's deeply rooted in Scripture. And this week is a little bit tougher assignment. We want to get real practical. And I want to take a shot at the question, of answering the question, perhaps one of the most important questions. Once you realize that Living in and like Christ is the point of the Bible and the call of, upon every Christian. Well, then this is one of the most important questions you can answer. So I'm a little intimidated this week trying to put together an answer. And that is how? How then? Okay, that I'm to become like Christ. Agreed. Amen? Now, how? How do I actually engage in a way that I become like Jesus? And so that's what we're going to attempt today. And it took me back, and you'll understand why here in a minute, but as I was processing this, I was kind of thinking of my life, and it took me back to my early 20s. And I had moved to Houston, Texas in my little one-bedroom apartment and all by myself. And, and I decided, you know, as I'm starting my new life there in Houston, Texas, that I was going to get stay in shape. I wanted to stay in shape. I wanted to get stronger. And, and so right around the corner from my apartment was the Gold's Gym a little one back in this little uh, strip center. And so I signed up and I showed up. Now, the, the first thing I started learning as I showed up there is I don't think any women were members there. They didn't have any signs saying women weren't allowed, but they didn't sign up to come to this one. There were no girls. It was all guys. And it was a certain kind of guy that was there. Massive, huge, Arnold Schwarzenegger type guys. And then me. Me. I was a specimen. I, I, I was, I'm sure I was at least 160 pounds. I mean, I was, I was thick. And so, you know, I was a small gym, and I started going there, and I went there for months. I was a youth minister and busy, but I was fairly regular, although not rhythmic like I needed to be. But I was always there surrounded by these titans, you know. And 
Um, I worked out a lot in high school for soccer, but I just did what the coach told me. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing the Stairmaster, and I'm doing some of the weightlifting and stuff, but I don't really know what I'm doing systematically. Anyway, a few months into this, a guy came to the church I was working at as youth minister named Mike, and Mike wanted to participate in the youth ministry. So he did, and we became friends and co-workers in this ministry, and there was something very noticeable about Mike. He fit in at my gold's gym. He would fit there. He was cut. He was ripped. He was big. So as we became friends, I said, hey, would you come with me and help me? And he says, sure. And so he shows up. And I still remember when we walked in there, we just went one time together. And he walked in there with me. And I still remember some of the things he told me. So one thing he said, okay, we we start over in the corner of the gym. And he says, I'm going to, he gave me a spiral notebook and a pencil. And he said, here, we're going to go through exercises for you. And I want you to write them down. I want you to watch me. Watch what I do and how I do it. It's important, what I do and how I do it. I want you to watch me. And so we spend an hour or so, and I'm, I end up with a notebook full of exercises for different days of the week and things like that. And then I remember what he said when we were done. He goes, he pointed at Spiral, and he goes, now train, Brian, train. You train yourself. You do this. You train yourself regularly. And he started looking around the gym, and he goes, you'll start looking like these guys. And almost like he was reading my mind because I'm looking at these guys he's pointing at and I'm looking in the mirrors that they have all over the gym. And, and it's almost like he read my mind. He goes, Brian, Brian, listen to me. And he, he points at my chest. It hurt a little. But anyway, he points at my chest. And he says, he says, Brian, God created you in a way. Okay, it's already in you. What you need to become like these guys is already in you. You're just trying to do the things that you get to join that thing. You're just trying to do the things that trigger that thing that's in you. And then transformation happens. You can't do it. You can't. And, but, but you can do the things that trigger the thing that can do it. And so I never forgot those things. You know, it was encouraging to me that there's something in me that is designed to transform my body. That I have somebody I can look at and watch what he does and how he does it, and learn what that is to do. And then the last thing, that's the toughest thing, that it's what he said when he pointed that note. Now train. You train yourself, and you'll start looking like these guys. I never forgot that. So I want you to hang on to that as we go through this. With that in the backdrop, I want to take my best shot at giving you that proverbial spiral notebook, okay? The spiral notebook that, that if you'll train, then you'll end up you'll end up looking like Jesus. If you train, if you do the things that trigger that thing that God has already put inside of you that is designed to transform you to look like Jesus, that you're just trying to join that thing at work. You're just trying to trigger that thing to do the miracle. That's what we do. And so I want to start by saying, Christians, we don't try to become more like Jesus. That's not what we do. We train. No one can try and become more like Jesus. That's really kind of a smokescreen a lot of the times. You know? I mean, any more than a, a muscle build, a bodybuilder says, yeah, I'm trying to grow muscles. No, he would never say that. He would say, I'm training to grow muscles. It's the same thing for us. And Paul said this. Mike was, you know, Mike was my coach. Paul was a coach to a guy named Timothy. And he said this exactly. He says, train yourself to be like Jesus. That's what godly means. Christ-like. 
Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is of some value, but godliness, Christ-likeness, becoming like Jesus, that has value for all things. Cross the board. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So that notebook that Mike gave me, I, I remember there were three general sets of exercises that he wanted me to rotate through as I went through back to the gym day to day. I think it was chest and triceps was one and back and biceps was another and then lower body was legs. And he gave me those three areas to focus on when I went in to work out. Then he gave me this ab workout that he said, I want you to do that every day. This, these little exercises for the ab, there's something about the core being strong that helps the rest of the body develop better and, and more effectively. So in the same way, I want to give you three areas, three categories of life in my attempt to, in 20 minutes, explain to you how to become like Jesus, the biggest question of our life. I'm trying to make it memorable for you, something that you can anchor into, and that if you'll take this spiral notebook home and you train, it'll work. It'll work, and you will find yourself looking like Jesus, okay? And so, three areas, the head, the hands, and the heart. It's easy to remember, isn't it? The head, the hands, and the heart. So first, I want to talk about working out, practicing your, you know, in your head. So it, it, this is what's behind working out this area of your life, okay, your mind. If you want to become like Jesus, then you have to know what Jesus is like. I, I don't feel like I should have to say that, but we probably do need to say that. Because this, this is the fact. You, need to, it's, you remember what Mike told me? He said, watch me. Watch what I do. Watch how I do it. Well, if you want to become like Jesus, you need to watch Jesus and what he does and how he does it. it the Hebrew author basically says this precise thing in his book. In Hebrews 12, he says we need to fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the author. He's the perfecter of our faith. That's what Hebrews 12 says. Watch me, he says. But it goes deeper than that. He also says in Hebrews 3, fix your thoughts on Jesus. It's his calling that we're sharing. So it it can't be just this superficial gazing. It has to go into the mind. It has to become something your thoughts think about, that you dwell on, all right, that penetrates your mind. Paul later in another place, he says that he, after a lifetime of doing this, had developed the mind of Christ, Wouldn't that be great? It'd be a lot easier to be like Christ if you've developed the mind of Christ. And there's the key. Watch him. Watch what he does and how he does it. Now that provides a dilemma, doesn't it? Because he was here in the flesh over 2,000 years ago. How do we watch him? What's our source material for watching Jesus, what he does and how he does it? We just spent a whole year on it. It's the Bible. In particular, it's the Gospels. Now, the whole Bible, as we talked about, points to Jesus. It points to life in Christ and like Christ. But the Gospels, it's it's four books of the Bible. The only one that had, it's the story of Jesus. It's the only story that has four different copies from four different angles that should tell us something. It all points to Jesus, especially the rest of the New Testament points back. But in my opinion... Anyone who's serious about obeying the call of the Bible, life like Jesus, becoming like Jesus, their gospels are going to be worn out. They're going to be worn out. You're going to know what he did and how he did it because we're going to be faithful to this vision of God for us that we want to become like Jesus. So this is the learning part 
That's the first category. It's the learning part of becoming like Christ. That's what we're looking at. And uh, I often make the point, and this is still true, that it's not about knowledge, okay? It's not the point. I make the point that the point is not about knowledge, all right? But knowledge is necessary for you to achieve the point, and that is to become like Christ. You have to get to know Christ. So that's the first area in your spiral notebook that you need to be working out regularly, and that's your head. It's your mind. You need to be studying Jesus if you want to become like Jesus. The second area is your hands. So if, here's the point behind that. Here's the principle behind that. If you want to become like Jesus, you have to actually do what Jesus does. Okay? And, and which one's first? Do I become like Jesus and I end up doing what Jesus does? Or do I learn and do what Jesus does? And that makes me become like Jesus. The answer is yes. Yes. You use your muscles to develop muscles, which means you already have muscles to use. And so, same thing in our becoming like Christ. If I want to look like those guys in the gym, how stupid would it be for me to watch Mike, what he does, how he does it, put it in my notebook, and then never lift a weight? I should know enough. I know enough to be a muscle man, right? I know enough. That would be silly. No one, everyone would just say that's ridiculous. And so I'm echoing what I said at the end of the first point. It's not just about knowledge. It's about putting it into practice. I mean, imagine how silly it would be for, for me to, to not just know enough to weightlift, but I could go teach a class to others. And then if they put it to practice, they could become muscle men. But I'm not. It's because I'm not doing it. See, we have to use what we know. We have to put it into practice. So this... Again, this, that seems so basic. But evidently, we do need to say it. Because a lot of Christians miss out on that. They forget, oh, this is supposed to actually affect my life. I'm supposed to actually do something. So the good news is, you don't have to go to the gym to put it into practice. Your whole life is your gym. Your whole life, every relationship is your training facility. You know, Well, I mean, so I have a membership right over here at Town Club. It's useless to me if I don't go to it. But you're already in the gym for this. Every single situation, COVID, politics, relationship struggles, marriage, parents, kids, friends, school, work, everything is training. It's training for you to do what it is you're learning. To be like Jesus in practice. And again, That seems so basic, but evidently we do need to say it. Even Jesus, after he gave his little initial speech of what this is all about in in his Sermon on the Mount, that's how he ends. He ends in the way I'm talking right here. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But he who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his head on sin. Evidently, there are people who hear Jesus plenty, but they don't have the and. And put it into practice. Talking about practice? Yes, we're talking about practice. Doing it when you don't feel like it and when you do. So you got to exercise that. Another workout facility that you have, it's actually a part of your life, is church. And church is a great thing to add to your life because it's like being in the gym with a bunch of allies. 
bunch of people that want the same thing as you do, you know? Some are ahead of you, some might be behind you. A lot of people are just walking right with you and we can help each other and leverage. And the church, that's a good analogy because the church is called communally. You're supposed to become like Jesus individually, but we're supposed to look like Jesus communally. And we all don't all do it the same. Not all of us are gonna be called to do Haley Project. Some of you are. But we all have different places in the body. This is a good time to tell you that next week when we begin two weeks on the advances mission part, that's what we're going to be talking about. At least one of the things that, that and, and I'm excited because we're going to be transforming small group central and adding to it mission central. And we're going to have a bunch of the roles in the body that need to be filled by people that you're going to be able to go look at and shop for and pray about and maybe sign up for to be a part of the functioning of the body as a whole. I'm not, I'll just leave it at that, but that's coming for the next two weeks. And the rest of our existence is for us to become the body of Christ. See, God didn't finish incarnating himself. That's just the $5 word for being in the flesh. God became flesh. He wasn't done when Jesus died, was raised, and then ascended to heaven. He's still putting himself in the flesh through the body of Christ. He's still doing that. That's us. That's us. You're called to do that too, to put it to practice. You're wise if you do. You'll make it through life. Like when the storms come, it's like being built on the rock. You're foolish if you don't. Yeah, last year was a lot harder if you haven't been doing this, if you haven't been exercising the, the hands, the doing of becoming like Jesus. All right, so we got on one page of your notebook is the head, one page is the hands, and the last one that I want to point out is the heart. Heart, and I want here. Here's kind of the principle behind that. If I want to become like Jesus, then I have to let Jesus infiltrate and saturate down to the deepest places. Scripture talks about the the innermost places. When we ever we talk about living from the inside out, that's a Christian theme and concept. Becoming something deep down, letting the Spirit live inside, and we rightly call that the heart. Right? The heart is an effort. It's a Bible effort at trying to describe what's deep down there and at the center of it all. We have to let Jesus enter that. And this is addressing something that a lot of Christians have been raised to deny it or avoid it. Okay? I'm talking about emotional health. Okay? God is an emotional God. We're creating his image. We have emotions. And This is the X factor in being a human, isn't it? This is what really makes us complicated and complex. Not to God, but to us. So much so that many of us just don't trouble ourselves. But there's one statement that I recovered, I rediscovered this last week. And I read it and I went, you know, I've never paused on that part of this teaching of Jesus and allow it to have the force that it should have. Like, he says it almost as if it's a direct command. And yet, this is in the top 10 of most disobeyed commands of Jesus. It's where he says in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Who who here does that? Who here follows that one? Who here even takes that seriously like that's even possible? To never, do not let your heart 
be troubled. I know countless Christians, countless Christians, I'm one of them still often, who studies Jesus, works out the head, can quote verses, can talk about him knowledgeably, who do things, they use their hands, do all kinds of service that are kingdom bringing, social justice, all kinds of neat things, but that have troubled hearts. It's just not addressed. They struggle. They are not emotionally healthy. But I want you to listen. Because I know this is unaddressed, probably by me as well. I like to think I address this regularly, spattering throughout my teachings, but I don't know. I don't know if it's gotten through based on our practice sometimes. You cannot be spiritually healthy and remain emotionally unhealthy. You have to, you have to work out this part of you too. God is a God to the whole human being. I'm not saying be perfect. I'm not saying be without wounds. I'm not saying that there's never difficulty. Perfection is not required. But what is required is that you do not leave the wounds. You do not leave the difficulties. You do not leave the imperfections that have deep sources unaddressed or unattended. If we want to be like Jesus, then we're going to do, and here's just part of the theology behind that, is what David said. And he lists this as his top priority in Proverbs 4. He says, above everything else, guard your heart. Above, every, above all else, take care of that thing. Why? Because it's the wellspring of life, inside out. And it comes out, doesn't it? When our hearts are troubled and we are not skilled in health emotionally, it comes out. This is where most of our apologies come from to people. <laughs> it's when this part of our life is left unattended. So if you want to be like Jesus, then you have to do that. What I'm talking about, let me just give you a little bit more on this one since it's, we rarely talk about it. When I'm talking about heart health or emotional health, I'm talking about things like the ability to acknowledge and name and address feelings. We know how to do that. I'm talking about initiate, being able to initiate and maintain close and meaningful relationships, even hard ones. I'm talking about the ability to break free from destructive practices and patterns and replacing that with contentedness and peace without those things. I'm talking about the ability to respect and love others without needing them to change ever. I'm talking about grieving well. None of us get through this life without loss. All kinds of loss, big ones, small ones. If we do that well, we know we've got some heart health. I'm talking about being able to identify with and have real compassion for others. That's a heart move. I'm talking about the capacity to resolve conflict. You're going to have conflict. I'm talking about the capacity to resolve it, not deny it, not cut off the relationship, not do any of that. There's always extreme exceptions, but it shouldn't be normal. It shouldn't be normal. We should be able to do that peacefully with the other's perspective in mind. The, the litmus test to me for heart health is, is the, the thickness of peace. Paul calls it a peace that passes understanding, right? Like you've probably had moments where you've experienced this. We've all had moments where we failed in this. Don't need to be beating ourselves up. We just need to work out that page of the spiral notebook. We just need to work that out. Now, how do we do that? 
How do we do that? There's no getting around that this is a tough one, that the work to work out the heart is really, really tough and something we're not used to doing. You've got to take the mask off. You've got to let him in. For, for Jesus to penetrate the deepest places, you have to expose the deepest places to him. And to do that, you have to do it with each other. You have to honor your own story. I don't know anyone that doesn't need to go back in order to move forward. Tons try. I did. But it's inevitable. You have to honor your own emotions. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying you let them run rabid and control you in the name of expressing your emotions. I'm not talking about that. But neither am I talking about what people who point that out do. And that is deny that they exist. They just deny that, that they have any say or sway over me at all. Oh, they do. Even when you don't express them. There's so many people, usually men, that say they're just unemotional. That's just not my thing. Oh, so you're not created in the image of God? You're a computer? <laughs> okay, no, no, it's not true. Most people, men and women, who say that they're unemotional, that's not usually true. My experience is they're mono-emotional. They have one, anger. They're good at that one. That one shows up. They can feel that one, and that one spills out because it's the only outlet they feel. But they don't know how to address, name, their emotions. You got to be able to do that. And you have to be able to drop those defensive shields. So this is about being vulnerable. Anyone who's not willing to be vulnerable doesn't have heart health. Their hearts are troubleable. Just made that up. And Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. And I, I really recommend to everybody that they should have counseling, that they should go to counseling. It's got a stigma to it. I, I, I dropped the stigma a long time ago. If I got issues, I go get counseling. And it doesn't have to be a professional counselor, but that's helpful. I mean, anyone who says, like, the stig- their stigma, oh, I, I don't have that problem. Where did that come from? The counseling is like, how to be this deep, dark, horrible, uncontrollable thing. Well, it has to be this confession that I have no say in my life. It's just the opposite. I mean, and don't forget, one of the titles of the Holy Spirit is what? Counselor. We have a song that tags the purpose of counselor, Prince of Peace, to, to that. Counselor. Who doesn't need the Holy Spirit? Who's going to say, I don't need counseling? You don't need the Holy Spirit? We need to drop it. We need to drop that. We need to take the mask off, and we need to dive deep. We need to become spiritually, I mean emotionally healthy, if we're going to be spiritually healthy. Okay, so that's the third area. You've got your spiral notebook. Need to work all those out. If you just work one out, you're not going to be healthy spiritually. You're not going to be like Christ. You might have a lot of knowledge. You might be doing a lot of good work. You may even be emotionally healthy, but you don't have the name of Christ. Okay? So we've got to train our head, our heart, and our hands. I don't have time this morning. This needs to be a series, but there are a lot of obstacles for us in becoming like Jesus, in doing that workout, in training, like Mike told me, if you train, you'll end up looking like Jesus. We don't end up looking like Jesus because we don't train. And there's a lot of obstacles. And I just haven't Craig put a bunch up there that I brainstormed. I'm not going to talk about all of them, but these are some of the reasons you are not like Jesus. Don't hide from it. You're probably up there in some area of your life. 
you're lazy, or you've got some worldly ambition you're after, you don't have time for this, or you've got some worldly success, you don't want to give that up to have kingdom success, I'll just talk about one that's on there, and that's the last one, instant gratification. The journey to Christ-likeness is a way of life, okay? Being Christ-like is a way, but the journey to it, the workout, the training, it's a way too. It's a way of life, and it takes time. If you're committed to being like Christ, the point of Scripture for the Christian, the call of God on our lives, if you're committed to that, you're committed to the long game. And in a culture where we don't like long game, in a world where everything's got to be fast, and we've got a, a button or a pill or an app for everything to make it instantly accessible and immediately accomplishable, this, this is why so many American Christians are not Christ-like, is because we need instant gratification. So if you need that, you're not interested in this. You might as well admit it and resign to it. I'll never be like Christ, because this is the long game. So to that end, there's one more exercise I want to kind of end with that I want to give its own category. You remember how I told you Mike, in addition to the three areas that I would rotate day to day and he gave me one for every day, it was abs, that they were core, okay, that there's something about the core muscles that are important for the building of the whole transformation. Well, there's one for that too. And this is a double bonus for you. So you'll really want this in your notebook because it's a double bonus because not only does this help you become like Christ, when you do it, you are being like Christ, and that's prayer. That's time with God. I, it's one of the epic statements that changed my life. I've preached it many times. It's Luke, Luke's observation in Luke 5 where he says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray, to be with God. That's prayer. I'm not talking about just talking to him. That's a part of this, but it's about just being with him, being influenced by him, being around him. And Jesus often did that. Do you? And look, Jono had us look over our last week. Could we look back at your life this last week and say, man, he, she often withdrew this week for time with God. He does that a lot. She does that often. Are you expecting to become like Jesus without it? Jesus didn't stay like Jesus without it. If he needed time with God in order to be who he was, how much do you and I need it? This is a rich subject, and that's prayer, being with him often. I want to ask our leaders to get up and just go on outside, and, and they're there for you. And I, and I just want to end with this one last little analogy, but if our ministers and elders and their families can go on out, they're there for you to reach out to. But I want to say one more thing about these guys um, that's an analogy to what Mike said. I remember Mike also told me, again, he was reading my mind, kind of watching me watch the other guys that he was pointing at, suggesting I could someday be like them. And I was just... It's like he, he, he knew, he knew, man, Brian's, he, he's looking at himself and he's looking at these guys and he's maybe doing some self-diminishment and he's comparing himself. He knows what that's going to be like. He knows when I get up in the morning, I got to go to that gym and, 
and be around all those people? What are they thinking? What are they, I mean, who am I to be in the, am I in the right place? And, and just do that self-diminishing thing to where I might despair to the point that I don't even get up. I don't even start because of where I imagine I should be versus where I actually am. And he said, listen, listen, Brian, do not worry about what any of these guys are thinking. I'll tell you what they're thinking. They, they are, they respect that you're here. And I'm telling you, not any of them got to where they were before they were like you. None of them. None of them were like they are now before they were like you. And they remember. And I guarantee you, you go and talk to them about it, they'll tell you their story about how they got there, how they maintain it. And you ask them for help. How quick did I say, yes, I'll be there, Brian? That's what Mike said. Did you, did you have any? You don't need to have any inhibitions. They love talking about it and helping others achieve the results they've got. If you ever do that, church, if you ever like look around here and not just these elders, ministers, and they're, they're not perfect. They'll be the first to tell you that, but they have exercised a lot. They have done a lot of training, but you might also sitting here in the pews. A lot of you have done a lot of training. If you ever sit there and think, man, where I am, where, where I should be, I'm just, I just, I don't know. I, I probably just won't get up in the morning and go. I just won't be a part of this. I'm just not going to do that. I just, I should be so far. I'm just giving up and you despair. I want you to stop that because don't you just look at each other here and just respect that each other's here. That's how it should be. Shouldn't be putting each other up on pedestals. The measurement is Jesus. I don't care how high we climb. We all look the same from there and we are, but we're all about that. And so these elders and leaders, this church family all around you, they are not perfect, and, but I will tell you, they respect that we're doing this together. They're going to need your help. We're going to need each other's help. You just have to ask. And don't forget to ask God, to pray to God. Say, God, the, he wants this to happen within you and within us more than we will ever want it. And he has already put in you and in us his Holy Spirit that's trying to make that happen. We just want to do the things that trigger it. We just want, this isn't to get to heaven. You can't do anything to get to heaven. You don't train yourself to heaven. Don't even try to train. But in becoming like Christ, you need to train. And it will trigger the miracle. It will trigger the miracle. And you'll want more of it. So let's stand and let's ask the Father. Let's pray in this song together right now.